the things that people see when they're on the medicine is different and it's unique to each person. If they have trauma, they can sometimes go through that and process that. That's another thing we can talk about this part of like neurochemical stuff happening. But as far as like the shamanic sort of experience and all the art that people can look at and see, there's just this kind of universal theme of connection that occurs. You're listening to the Almost 30 podcast hosted by Krista Williams and Lindsay Simsek. Almost 30 started as a conversation about the transition from our 20s to our 30s. But then we realized life is full of transitions. So we expanded our mission. We are an intuition-led, wellness-focused lifestyle podcast that promises to deliver authentic conversations, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in optimism, growth, and intention. The Almost 30 Nation community is a group of purposeful dreamers who are smart, passionate, and always seeking the full potential in every aspect of their lives. At Almost 30, we're making magic together. We dream it, and then we do it. Thanks so much for tuning into the Almost 30 Podcast. Here we go. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> Almost 30 Nation Unite. We are over 30, P.S. Oh, we are over 30. If you only knew what it takes to start a, start the podcast actually mm-hmm. right now in studio. We just jangled a lot of chords for like a few minutes. We're like, here we go. Prayer, prayer, up. Oh, yep. connected. Yeah. So, <laughs> our, we built a home studio a while ago and the home studio is... Uh, <laughs> hanging on. Yeah, it's uh, barely hanging on. <laughs> so we have to... A lot of the chords, it's like you got to move it a little to the right. Yeah, usually move it to the left. I find a chord in my omelet every once in a while. I'm like, I'm sure. this doesn't belong in here. <laughs> I know, you're like, hmm. <laughs> oh, hell. Hello. Hello. I feel like I haven't caught up with you in a while. I know. What you been doing? Mm. Well, we had our... You, oh, I'm freaking, I missed, I need to hear about it because you've been saving it, but I freaking missed when Mama Medicine was I know, here. girl. I had to been, go home. You've been missing healers. I know. I'm, you I'm missed super bummed. Wellness. I'm sorry. I'm showing up for my family. I what know. can I tell you? <laughs> you aren't receiving, it's just, I need the healing more. Uh, so if you guys have listened to the podcast for a while, you have heard the episode we did with Mama Medicine, Deborah. Uh, she's out of New York and she is not only beautiful, but she is truly a light worker. She is very special and kind and just pure love and light. And Mm -hmm. she's really, really talented. So she has read auras for almost all of her life. And during the session, it was interesting because she has actually studied with shamans for a long time. So it was cool to have gone to Costa Rica to experience shamans, you know, from Peru, from Colombia, one-on-one and the magic that they do or create and honor that and, you know, just be witness to that. And then also see how she incorporates it in her work. And she's been doing this for a long time. And I was just kept thinking about that, you know, when she was doing the healing on me after we had like a reading and session that she uses a lot of the shamanistic singing. Um, there was, there's also a fan. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's a uh, feather one. Yeah. I, no. So there's feather fans, but I think this fan was like a, the, one of the leaf ones. So there's a cool. specific leaf oh, plant. Do you remember yeah. those? And then she also does, I'm trying to think of what else, but the singing was just so powerful. It was like her voice is beautiful and there was crystals involved in it, but it was just 
crazy. And it was really cool to connect with her in that way. And so when I got my reading in the session, what you do is you sit down and you kind of talk about what you know, you're working on or what sort of is going on. And for me at the time, it's getting more comfortable with being myself in a public setting all the time. Because mm-hmm. I'm not one that's... If you guys have listened to more than one episode, not always like perfectly polished with what I say. I'm kind of unpredictable <laughs> at times. <laughs> I'm good with people. I can read rooms. I can read people. But when I'm talking on a podcast sitting at a house with Lindsay, I'm not reading your room. <laughs> yeah, totally. So I don't know. I don't I'm know. not reading the world, Krista. I'm not reading the world. So I don't know what, <laughs> what your vibe is. I don't know what... I, you know what I mean? I, I can't really pick up on what the hell's going on. So I was just talking about that and, you know, the compounding pressure that I feel we have, you know, as journalists, as conduits of these conversations or the, the facilitators of these conversations for our community, feeling responsible for my growth, for their growth, for just a lot of what we're doing within our business on our team, you know, responsible for their energy, for their emotions, for just so much. I was just talking a little bit about that. And it was really beautiful because she picked up on something that I love when people like, especially in those healing situations, like tell you something that you didn't expect Mm -hmm, or kind of like put you in your place where you're like, oh, fuck. (gasps) Yeah, Yeah, honestly. Mm -hmm. So she was saying she's like, she brought up, you know, the mother-mom relationship which, you know, has been going swimmingly. I know you guys probably listened to the new dad episode, but we've had conversations since as an update and it's Mm. been a really beautiful growing opportunity for both of us. Did that happen after this medicine healing? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so it actually really was. And she was like, you need to take responsibility for... She's like, a lot of what happened when you were in your childhood and your teens, a lot of your rebellion came from your frustration and anger to your mom's lack of taking responsibility for her own happiness. And now she has chosen a path where she may or may not want to be happy in her life, which could be true, could be not true. But it was really like me being frustrated as a kid because you're absorbing and 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 noticing things that your parents are doing. And it would be frustrating to see. And that really was a lot of my experience as a, as a, as a kid and growing up. My parents weren't happy together. My mom, you know, went through periods of depression and anxiety and all of these various things. So it was really challenging for me, especially as an empath, you know, which she said too. So when she first sat down and read my aura, she's like, I wish that you understood how much of an empath you are. She's like, I don't even think that you could imagine how empathetic you are and how much that affects how you, you know, navigate your life on a day-to-day basis, Mm -hmm. which is actually something that I kind of people have said the word empath and I'm kind of like resistant to it because it just it frustrates me sometimes that I am because it makes me feel like I'm out of control with my emotions. And it's like, it's just tiring, to be honest. It's a beautiful thing. And I, I love it, you know, for, for many times when I can recognize a beautiful emotion that's seen in someone or something like that. But to be honest, as a business person owning your own business, it's fucking exhausting. So she said that, which I was like, oh, fuck. I knew that, but I've kind of been resistant to it. But she said for as an empath, when you were younger, especially as a child, it can be very hard for you to witness that. And she's like, a lot of your rebellion came from being frustrated with that, being angry and being so emotional, but not knowing how to place it. So that's how and why I was like such a rebel. And it was funny. She was like, when you were in your teens, you were kind of crazy. I was like, yes. (laughs) I was like, I was a fucking delight. Did you... Do you remember 
liking that feeling of rebelling when you were a teen or were you no. kind of like... I was frustrated. Yeah. I was yeah. frustrated. I was frustrated. It was exploratory, but it was frustrating. But I, I was definitely frustrated. But I, I got along with everyone and mm -hmm. I was, you know, well-liked. I had a lot of friends, but I was like sneaking out almost every night and like, you know, just yeah. being bad. But it was interesting too. She's like, you know, you are very evolved. You're in a very evolved soul. And she's like, and you need to also take responsibility for the energy that you brought to that situation, which I felt like was really helpful and really surprisingly helped me think maybe for the first time, maybe not about my role in everything, my role in not making it easier, you know, not, you know, I don't know what I would have done when I was younger, but and my evolution was by no stretch of the imagination there in high school, mm -hmm. but how I contributed to that frustration for her and contributed to being unhappy for her. Cause you know, she's trying to go through her own things and then I'm not definitely not making it easier and I'm definitely not making it fun for right. her in a lot of times, you right. know? So it was just like an interesting thing. And she's like, you need to forgive yourself for the way that you were during that time. And you need to forgive yourself for the times that you have rebelled or hurt people or hurt her, which was beautiful because she said, it's also coming to play for you in a lot of female relationships. So if you think about the relationship to your mother and how it's progressed over the course of your life, it can be directly correlated to other female relationships totally. and the way that they are or the way that they've you know, happened in my life and the way that I'm perceiving them. So I thought that was really beautiful. And it was helpful for me to think about, you know, like what's going on now with almost 30 and with our community and everything like that. And like how I can be more mindful about my energy in that space with my mom and then my energy in forgiving my younger self because I've never been able to connect with her. You know, even when Mama Medicine said like, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? And I was like, well, don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, it's like mm -hmm. crickets. So, and she's like, okay, well, I keep being shown you as a ballerina. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> so cute. So cute. I was, I was pretty chubby. So I'm like, okay, uh, I don't know if I've ever done ballet, but it's funny because I had a Mount Noi Reiki healings with, April, she saw my soul as a dancing in front of a mirror. Cool. Which is cool. So there was a correlation there. I ended up asking my mom and she said I took a few ballet classes, wow. which was interesting because I actually didn't know that. But just like being more kind to that little girl, of course, and then being more, you know, sweet to her. And then there was the really beautiful moment of confirming something that I've been thinking for a long time about Justin, which is you know, leaning into him when I'm feeling lost or when mm. I'm feeling hopeless or when I'm feeling stressed out. Like, she's like, you need to lean into him more. She's like, he mm. is, she's like, he's, you know, a very, very, very serious soul connection relationship for you that is going to be your second greatest teacher in your life outside of your mother relationship, mm. which was wow. really beautiful. And it was, really like reaffirming to hear that because that's what I've been doing um, with him. So it was powerful. 
Yeah, to be able to... So when you say lean in, you mean like, for lack of a better term, like just have him really hold space or hold you in those moments instead of you trying to to maybe suppress it or be like, everything's fine or like whatever. It's yes. like really just allowing him to, you know, support you in that way. Yeah. Yeah, and for me, it's like, I don't really share a lot. So... I kind of compartmentalize my life in a lot of ways. So if we have something going on with a business, like I can think of a few different situations where things have happened that are kind of fucking wild. And I would, it's not like I would never tell him because I'm hiding it. Mm-hmm. It's just like at the end of the day, I'm so tired. Yeah, you don't want to talk about and it. And I don't even want to talk about it. And I yeah. and we've got it under control. So I don't, I don't tell him and I don't explain that to him. And so just being more forward with what's going on with the way that I'm feeling... Um, being softer, letting mm-hmm. myself relax with him, letting myself just hang out, you know, not putting pressure on our relationship has been um, yeah. really beautiful. And it's just the energetic conversation that I have in my head of loving him for all that he is, for all that he's doing, for mm-hmm. seeing, always seeing the good in him and always just finding opportunities to be sweet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then beautiful. she said something about, um, oh, she said it was interesting too. Uh, she said that when I said something about a family, I was like, oh, because I would want a family at some point. She's like, okay, well, I'm glad that you said that because she's like a lot of the healing that you still need to do with your mother relationship, you need to heal that before you have a child. She's mm-hmm. like, or else that trauma will be passed on. Mm-hmm. Which was interesting because, you know, thinking about your own healing is is hard enough. And then to think about doing it for someone else, you're mm-hmm. like, ah, fuck, like, gotta do this for a future baby. It also gives it more purpose though, you know, know. like to kind of commit to it. I know, I know. So for someone, if that would be helpful for them, you know, if that's like a motivator, Mm -hmm. just trying to fucking get by. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I'm just trying to like, Hey, baby in the wings. I'm trying to get it. Let me live. I know, I'm trying to get enough vegetables. (laughs) Like, what the hell? So she said though, she's like, you have a very, very bright emerald green aura mm. that's right above you. Because my aura is blue on the emotional, uh, purple on the spiritual, and then like green on the physical. So it was like mm. a blue, green, purple. Cool. And she's like, it's an emerald green aura that's above you that's really excited to get into the world. Wow. And this is, you know, this soul entity being has come up in every reading I've almost ever had. And she's like, you know, Oh, she was saying too. She was like, you know, you're empathetic, but I call her she because I'm, I, I, you know, I don't know. But the entity or soul, she's like, she's even more sensitive than you. Mm. I was like, oh, bless. <laughs> oh, shit. It's like, bless. It's like, she is going to be like bubble put her. I know. I was going to say put her in a bubble. Bubble girl. I was like, Aww. bubble girl. But all in all, it was really helpful for me to like reframe that in my mom relationship to kind of take responsibility, even though I was a kid yeah, um, or, you know, younger, um, just to, to be more compassionate in that situation, which is interesting because with my ayahuasca journey, one of my goals was to be more compassionate. So that showed, that showed up in mm-hmm. a different way. It didn't show up during my ayahuasca journey, but it showed up in this conversation. And then the reconfirmation with Justin that this was something that I needed to, to continue to do and even deepen. Uh, which is something, you know, that we've been doing. And then just the reminder that this healing is done for me. It's done for my mom. It's done for my future kids. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's, it just goes beyond what we can see in our day to day and what we can impact and affect in our day to day. Yeah. It's work. Yeah. So much work. So much. Dude, I left. I was like, God damn it. Um, yeah. That's sure. the thing with all of it. It's like this self-development stuff is so fun, but it's like, yo, I left and I'm like, got a lot to oh. do. <laughs> yeah. You, like, and there's a beauty to that. You know, I, I crave that. But there's also a part of me that sometimes is like, this too, you know? I know. But, you know, it's helpful with her. She does the healing. Mm-hmm. And the first part is really to understand and to know and to be shown. And then you work on whatever that is in small moments in mm-hmm. your day-to-day. You know, that's really all you can do is think about it, process it, take tiny action whatever that feels good to you, however that feels good and and pray for the support to do that. Yeah. I know. I hope I get to connect with her when we're in New York. You were in, New, we're York. in New York, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Excited. Um, Most beautiful woman on the planet. Honestly, and follow her because her daughter is, and because her daughter is on her Instagram. I actually have a video saved that I want to watch because I didn't get to watch yet. And it's her daughter Oh, like, her talking. daughter talking. I think I was doing oh, something when I saw that and God. I saw her little face. I was like, come on. She is so Dude, too much. We'll watch it after this. Well, well, so that's the deepest parts of my soul. Honestly. What about you? <laughs> well, I was getting some other mama medicine for yeah. my actual mother. Oh, yeah. Um, I was, well, you were here and, and getting the healing. I went home. I decided kind of last minute to join my sister during her wedding dress shopping. So cute. And um, so we I flew, we were in San Jose. So I just flew home to Philly for 36 hours. And actually, I really loved that quick trip. It's a, it's a weird thing to love because the travel of it is kind of exhausting. I, but I was fucking on one on the plane and it was like, I just felt so good. And it was, you know, I would have loved to say one more day but it was actually fine. I yep. was like, I'm good. I got to go. This you is know? my life. I want to leave everything wanting more. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. 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 That's that my was whole the feeling. Life. Every party, every situation I want to leave wanting yeah, more. Yeah. That was the, that was definitely the feeling. So you're like, God, this was great. Yeah. Bye. I could stay another day. And they're like, oh, stay. Yeah. And like, you're like, I got to go. But I'm not. <laughs> got to go. Schedules be schedules. Um, but the, the dress shopping was so beautiful. Like, my sister, Cameron, she's the, the, the next in line. Yeah, it's so beautiful. She's the next oldest. So she's two years younger than me. And we've always, not always been close. You know, it was when we were younger, um, I was just an annoying, bossy ham, you know, and I really wanted all the attention. And she was just trying to be like me, you know, when you're young that age. So it was it was kind of that dynamic. Yeah. And um, I was definitely like bossy and just not nice sometimes. But anyway, we've obviously come around as most sisters do. And um, it was just beautiful. Like she, she was just so relaxed and really excited. And, and, you know, brides can be whatever the fuck they want to be. They could be high means. They don't have to be like whatever, but it just felt really good. I just felt her energy. And she's like, yeah, this is gonna be fun. Like if I find it cool, if not, whatever. And I think bringing that energy into the room, like, kind of set the tone. And so um, we went to Beholden in Philadelphia. It's at Anthropology. It's by Anthropology. So Aubrey was just there. Yes. She did a shoot with for Ava. them in, in Georgia. With Ava. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. It's it's the shit. Wait, you went in jo- to Georgia? No, no, no. But Aubrey There's was one in, in Philly. Yeah. The flagship is in okay, Philly. Okay. And so they have this beautiful bridal mm-hmm. boutique, bridal shop or whatever they call it, salon. <laughs> I don't know what they call it. And um, 
you know, you have your own little area and, you know, you pick, it's only an hour. So it's a little bit of like a time crunch, Yeah. but you try on as many as you can. So she probably tried on like nine dresses and there was like two pieces. There was, mm. you know, just different bodices, like different laces and tulle and silks and whatever. The dresses were so beautiful and so affordable. Mm. And That's I just... Affordable. What's affordable? Um, well, I'm thinking, I'm watching like Say Yes to the Dress and the dresses are like $9,000. Like, you want to meet Panina? I know. <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, they're like, Panina tornado. Panina's here. Panina's here. It's like, she's like, she, you say yes to the dress? Yeah, she's like, dude, you, I work here. I'm here every day. It's <laughs> like, you want to meet Literally. the designer? Oh my God. Too bad to say yes to the dress. Top, one of my favorite shows I on TV. I love that show. Heartwarming shows on TV. Heartwarming. That's why I was excited for this experience because I was like, oh my God, like this is going to be really just such a a sweet moment. And um, anyway, we were there with uh, her future mother-in-law, her future sister-in-law, my mom, my sister, Lexi. And uh, everyone was just like super excited, taking pictures and video. And like the moms were crying already, like before she even came out. But it was really important for me to be there, not only because she's not really going to do traditional like bridal shower and all the things leading up to it. I'm sure it'll be unique and different. But I don't know. I, I I've felt like kind of distant from my family as it as it pertains to um, milestones in people's lives. And I like cheer from afar. So being there was really important. Yeah. And I don't know. I had a few people. It was weird actually mostly strangers which is odd on instagram mm. everybody yeah. <laughs> say like oh like she's getting married like how do you feel about that no <laughs> and i was like oh that's so interesting you don't know me but whatever i don't yeah. what do you mean i feel happy yeah knowing it's my younger sister and she's getting married uh, before me or i guess i don't really fucking know what, what if it's means. your mom literally <laughs> I'm like huh what if it's your mom <laughs> i'm like doesn't my botox look good enough like don't i look younger <laughs> no no it was it, that was an interesting you were comment. Like, drama I, alert. I'm I, pissed. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> now I am. Yeah, literally. <laughs> but it was it was just so beautiful because like her life has been in in that lane kind of ahead of me, right? But I like kind of love that about our family dynamics where like both my sisters are kind of like way ahead of me in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Ahead, quote unquote. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? But with with other things, I'm you know, it's just a very interesting thing. And so we all kind of become like same or like not thinking about, oh, my younger sister. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's really, when you're an adult, it's like that. You're yeah. Like, we're just the same. We're the same. And so first dress, she loved it. It was so gorgeous. Um, the photo but, was. But we got to like try on other ones, whatever. And she came back to the first one and really? it was the one and it was so sweet. Um, had a little celebration. We went to lunch. Um, my dad was waiting with like, you know, eight boxes of pizza and meatballs and garlic knots. And I was like, I'm home. Home. We 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 uh, practice fly fishing in the backyard because they're fly fishing now with all the chickens out of the nest. It's so cute to see my parents do you have a random ass. Nope. nope. Um, oh. <laughs> they actually, they got a lesson in Central Park their last trip to New York in the middle of the grass. So you fly, when you fly fish and practice it, you don't need the water. It's just kind of the motion that's yeah, the most yeah. important. And so they bought these two rods. So we were like practicing in the backyard. He's like, once we get good enough, we're going to go like on a little trip. I was like, this is cute. I'm not going to say anything. This is cute. Yeah, so true. <laughs> um, but anyway, like the most interesting thing was that we were watching, I guess we were watching Chris Lilly's new show, Lunatics or whatever, sitting all around. 
which I love Chris Lilly. I don't love the show. Um, dude, the the porn star. Oh, it's amazing. I I Might there are be moments. My favorite character I've ever there seen. Are, there are there are moments and the pet psychic. Uh too it, much. Really He's like, oh my god, the, <laughs> the porn, like the the ex porn star when you guys have the... to watch Lunatics. I forget what her name is, but she's like, she's like, oh, they're coming over for dinner, and she's writing dinner on the whiteboard, and then she's like, I'll put a key under the mat, and then she draws. It's like, because that one is so true. Like in that industry, you almost get a split personality because it's completely so much drama. When and I told you, Justin want, and that, you're like still a kid, yeah. You know what I mean? And you have a hoarding video thing. Oh my God. The hoarding is amazing. I agree. It's just, it's... Well, because you compare it to Jemay and like all that stuff, but he's still so Dude, actually the one that the real estate agent with the big ass. (laughs) Yo, how he's like a DJ and he vapes. DJ. Yeah. But he lives at home with his mom. Totally. (laughs) Like, it's seriously incredible. And of course, like in the one part too, he was like hitting on a girl at a bar. And she's like, no, like, sorry, I don't. He's like, you're ugly anyway. And you're lucky I was even talking to you. <laughs> like, so typical. It was so funny. So we're sitting there watching it. And all of a sudden the power goes out. There wasn't even a storm, whatever. So my dad's like, all right, we'll give it like 10 minutes. So we're all just like chilling. My mom goes down to get these bright ass lanterns. And my dad's like, we don't need them. Like, please put them away. What are you doing? Like, this is becoming a scene. But anyway, we we're all sitting there. I was like, I'd love to know the story of my birth. <laughs> Because I was like, I've never asked this before. Yeah. And we had our, my experience during ayahuasca, one of them was like being born. And I was like, just interested. And they thought I was kidding. But I was like, no, actually, like, what was the deal? And anyway, my mom was in 18 hours of labor. But what was really intriguing to me to find out was that one, my dad had a stopwatch around his neck. And he was like, coach. Because he's like, you know, timing the... Oh, coaching the um, The contractions uh-huh. and stuff. So he had a stopwatch and like, just like all first time dad things. Damn. Which was really cute to hear. And then um, my mom, I did not know this. I don't know why I didn't know this. She never got an epidural for any of her kids. Which, you know, at first I was like, oh, wow, that's badass. But then I... Which it is and whatever. But get it. Yeah, literally, either is very badass. But then I was thinking like about, I I just went into a spiral. I was like, not out loud, but in my head, like her pain tolerance is so high. Yeah, 100. (laughs) I literally went down a hole. I was like, excuse me, I need to go into my room and think about this. But like her pain tolerance is so high and thinking how like in situations, my pain tolerance is very high and how that's really not serving anybody. Do you know what I mean? So you come down, you're like, you should have got an epidural. (laughs) (laughs) Feel your pain, mom. Dude, that's girls, man. Literally. She did fucking feel her pain head on. To to not feel her pain. I'm talking about high pain tolerance. Do you know what I'm saying? But just in situations like any situation, it's just like tolerating more when you could be feel better when you or when you could just be like no that yeah. doesn't feel good like ah like get me out of here whatever it was totally. just like an interesting like comparison yeah. or analogy or like just whatever where do you think you have a high pain tolerance where do i have a high pain tolerance around annoying people mm. <laughs> like where i can like i can put on a good show and cuz some people like have to excuse themselves or be like no it's like not yeah. my thing which i actually wish i did more often I guess like normal high pain tolerance, like just physical high yeah. pain tolerance for the most part. Yeah. Whenever you do like a Ragnar race <laughs> or a Spartan race. Totally. 
you know, when I'm marathoning and uh, I just, it's so crazy. It's just so funny because like nowadays, like pain tolerance shifts to like emotional yeah. and like mental pain and like yes. it's like nothing to do with physical. Literally. Because we live in fucking bubbles. <laughs> We're like, I'm going to go get in my car and buckle up and head home and go to my air conditioned home and sit Spartan on my race. couch. No. Yeah, <laughs> oh God. But it was a good, it was a really good t- trip home. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. I don't know. It was just like nice to be in and out, but also just nice to be home with the fam in our little fam bubble for a second. We're still there? No, just was here. So it was just the, Kim, the girls. The girls. So yeah. That's amazing. Her dress was so beautiful. Yeah, it's so pretty. You never regret those. I did that so much when I lived in New York and Chicago, of those trips for people. Mm-hmm. And I never regretted any of them. I know. I haven't been doing them as much since I've been on in LA and we've been on tour. Yeah. But- Being on the road is hard because I kind of anticipated that. I was like, oh shit, we're going to... Not oh shit, excited. But like, oh shit, like I'm probably going to have to say no to some like family stuff. Yeah. Which is fine. It's kind of like story of my yeah. life, like yeah. bartending to soul cycle, whatever. Yeah. Like in July for my mom's wedding, we have... Thank God it's on a Thursday because we have... Oh yeah. Propel... Uh, the weddings on that Thursday and then the live show. Oh, yeah. I know. So I was like, oh. Wow, that's going to be a yeah, fucking marathon. Literally. And that, yeah, so I'm going to have to go to Michigan. And this is like remote Michigan. Damn. Remote. Like we're flying into like Traverse City, which is like wow. so super far north. Like it's just, yeah. But I was thinking about that too. Yeah, you just make it work. Well, now, because we love to work on planes, it's okay. I know. I actually get off working on a plane. <laughs> Honestly. I feel there's so something good. about the lack of oxygen that I'm like, I know. Yeah. And there's something about like being strapped to that chair. Totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Around strangers. Yeah. Because there's no distractions. Yep. If you're like in your kitchen, Completely you're like agree. looking around, you're like, oh, that refrigerator's. Yep. I, I own that. Let yeah, me go in there. Honestly. <laughs> like a mailman comes, you're like, oh, I got, oh. <laughs> Got a package. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Let's get into today's episode after this hour-long intro. Yeah. Uh, Welcome back. <laughs> um, today on the, on the podcast, we have Dr. Jeff McNary from Rhythmia. So we spoke to him while we were in Costa Rica, went to his office. So we first met Jeff during our physical, right when we got to uh, the... Rhythmia itself, just so we were passed and cleared to do ayahuasca. And Jeff um, is so interesting. You know, he and Jerry have have quite the history. And um, Jeff really was um, a support and force in in starting Rhythmia with Jerry. So um, it was interesting to talk to him about the medical side yeah. of you know what's what's really happening in our brains and our bodies when when people do plant medicine. Um, what in it is creating these uh, reactions and these visions and this reprogramming. And he also talks about, you know, his journey with Jerry. Like he's seen Jerry at his absolute rock bottom. And I think, what did he say? He did therapy with Jerry for every day. For five years. For five years. I think. Something like that. Yeah. Something crazy. He talks about it, but it was like, wow. I know. Jerry's like, I'm going to hire you to be my therapist and you can only be my therapist. You're only going to work with me. <laughs> um, and we just thought it was really important for us when we are talking about, you know, my ayahuasca experience personally, Lindsay's ayahuasca experience personally, uh, Jerry's story from Rhythmia, and that we're also bringing in the medical side of it. 
So we want to give you a 360 view of what we've experienced personally, but also be responsible enough to share what exactly is happening in the chemistry of your brain. Um, what are the effects? Like what are times when you should avoid it? Um, and really just understanding these ancient modalities with the lens of Western medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Jeff is very accredited. He's worked in healthcare for 25 years. Uh, we felt so safe with the staff at Rhythmia. We felt like we could ask any questions. We loved that we got um, a medical clearance before doing any of the medicine. We thought that was really important. And you know, as we are talking and having these conversations with you, trying to be as responsible as possible, this is part of that conversation. And this is just very important. So if you have anyone that's interested in experiencing ayahuasca, we suggest Rhythmia. But we also suggest listening to this episode and the other episodes that we have so you can get a holistic view of our experience and then of um, what the plan actually does. Yeah, absolutely. So enjoy this episode. Um, Thanks so much in advance uh, for rating and reviewing on iTunes. It really means the world to us. If you've been listening for a little bit and haven't written a review, um, just pause right now. It takes a few seconds and we read every single one of them. We'll read one on the other side of this episode. And if you don't know, we are on tour. So you can check out our tour dates and locations at almost30podcast.com. Go to our events and tour tab. And we're just really excited to meet all of you this year. Cannot wait. So if you want to connect with Jeff, Dr. Jeff McNary, you can go to Jeff, J-E-F-F, McNary, M-C-N-A-I-R-Y.com. And then you can also go to our show notes to get the link to go to check out Rhythmia, which is the resort in Costa Rica that does transformational plant medicine journeys and what we recommend. Awesome. Enjoy this episode. See you on the other side. See you soon. Dr. Jeff. Yes. I'm so glad you're here. And yeah. thank you so much. I mean, um, I think like what what like kind of sets Rhythmia apart is like this huge support system. Yeah. So to have kind of the comfort of, you know, doctors and shamans and other people just kind of holding space for everyone and holding people is really an important part of the ceremony. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. we feel the same way. Yeah. With the nurses and all the holistic practitioners we have a ton of staff and it's really key yes yeah so were you working with so gary brought you from passages and then you came here like jerry how did he convince you (laughs) well you know i've been at passages for about almost eight years yeah doing i was the administrative director so i was managing the facility wow i wasn't working with people Mm -hmm. there as guests but you know i would still talk to the guests of course it's the other doing and i was managing the staff so it was like almost a 50 bed facility in malibu so it it was a lot of work and I was in grad school, like, the first half of that time. So I was super busy, you know. And my background was in low-income, underserved communities in L.A. and also in Hawaii. So that was my first sort of brush with sort of a high-end. <laughs> <laughs> so the highest-end rehab probably in the world. Yeah. And at the time, at least, it was. And uh, wow. so, you know, I was, you know, just talking with Jerry. I talked with him a lot at Passages, you know, when I connected and when it was time for me to leave, I just bounced and went and started just, you know, counseling him and working with him again, kind of more like a coach, like a life coach type scenario, you know, and worked with him for five years almost, you know, trying to help him get over all these things he was dealing with, you know, which was crazy. You know, he was really miserable. Yeah. How was that working one-on-one with him for five hours a day? That was rough. Wasn't know? it? Yeah. Wasn't it hard? Like, I think it'd be hard for anyone to work one-on-one with anyone for... Yeah. 
Well, the thing is, he's very uh, type A. So he's always got a lot to say. He's got a lot of questions. He's very driven. He's super, like, you know, he's successful in so many areas of his life. You know, he knows he has like a formula on how to do that. It's like all detail oriented. So he's trying to kind of do that with his life. But what was happening is he was avoiding his emotions. You know, he didn't know how to feel things. So my job was kind of help him connect to his body and just sit with himself and feel more. You know, so that was, it was, a, it was tough. You know, most of the, those months and years that we were together, it was tough. But there was always like this drive that he had that was intoxicating to kind of be around and work with. So, so what was your background in that type of work, the work that you were doing with him, or was it just something that was naturally like, well, I have my background, I have a master's in public health mm-hmm. from UCLA and I, that's where I learned like basically administrative and policy driven things, program development, that kind of stuff. And then I worked in Hawaii um, at an agency that had a contract with the department of health. So I was a counselor for all the kids and on a lot, not all, but a big chunk of kids on Oahu that had addiction and behavior issues. So I had sort of a counseling sort of vibe with uh, the families in Hawaii. And then I decided I want to get my doctorate in psychology. So I went back to California, back to LA and got my doctorate. And then through my doctorate program, you, know, you have to do a bunch of internships. So I worked at rehabs. I worked at sex addiction facilities. I worked at um, psychiatric hospitals. You know, getting all my hours, my pre-doc hours. And then after I graduated, I got all my post-doc hours, you know, doing one-on-ones and working with groups, doing rounds through the psych unit, managing passages. You know, so I had a lot of background working one-on-one with people, but also in groups. And then uh, when it came time to fully get my psychology sort of license, so I could just kind of be on my own, it was time to do arrhythmia. So I said, forget it. Like, I'm, I'm not interested in that anyway, because I'm completely restricted by the board of psychology and what I can say and do and what, what I can counsel people as. So I want to have the freedom, you know, to talk about plant medicine and then just kind of work more administratively, which was always my goal, you know, in healthcare. Mm-hmm. Did you see Jerry's transformation and then you did plant medicine or what was your journey to find plant medicine? Yeah. Well, you know, he, I had heard about plant medicine a little bit, you know, before Jerry did it, I didn't know a ton, you know, I was interested. I was always like looking for alternative sort of things. I was pretty open-minded um, so when he did it, I was in LA and he came down to Costa Rica and then he immediately shifted as I'm sure, you know, he's told mm-hmm. you. And I, at first was like kind of skeptical, you know, cause I don't, I was taught that nothing can change in like one second. Basically, yeah. If you have a lifetime of adversity. But, yeah. You're like, uh, I've been with you for five hours a day for five years. And then one night. It was really hard to believe, but I believed it as soon as I saw him, as soon as I talked to him and got to kind of see how he was doing. He had processed so much in such a quick time. So he said, let's go down there. You know, let's go to Costa Rica. So it was a couple of weeks later. So I went with him and his son and one of our office managers, Hamid, his name is, and we came down. I did it. And I was like, you know, I don't really know why I'm doing it. I'm just going to do it to check this out so I can learn about it. It was kind of my, my thing. You know, I had done a lot of therapy on myself and through school, you have to do therapy to get your doctorate. 65 hours actually you have to receive. So, you know, and I've done a lot of worked with a lot of people. I felt like I was, you know, pretty okay. I don't have an addiction, uh, except maybe to surfing at times. <laughs> but uh, so when I did it, I was like, wow, this totally changed my whole perspective on myself. It shifted my entire world. It was really profound. In what way? 
you know, I grew up in a part of Los Angeles that was uh, pretty rough at the time. Right now, it's not rough. It's super trendy, like the east, sort of northeast Highland Park, mm. South Pasadena border area. And right now, that's just like super killer real estate, like restaurants popping up. Right? It's really nice there. But when I was a kid in the 70s, it was rough there. And I had to put on this persona, like I'm a tough guy. I had to be hyper vigilant. You know, a lot of my friends ended up in big trouble. Some died, you know, for gang stuff and prison and there's a lot of drugs around. And, you know, it was kind of, it was crazy. Basically my family was great. My parents were great. My siblings are all great, but my environment was not great at all. So I had this persona, like, you know, I had a shield like to protect myself and I kind of lived my life that way. Even at the time of, you know, when I did the plant medicine, I was still this kind of don't mess with me type of dude. Right. And I just figured that's just who I am. You know, it was the way I grew up. So I am. But when I did the plant medicine, I learned like that is not who I am. That's what I had to become to survive emotionally. And really what I was was just a scared little kid growing up in an area that was a bit unstable on the street. And I got to see that and connect with me as a kid. It's called inner child work, basically, in psychology. And it just shifted my whole view. And I was able to heal myself. So I was able to basically have better relationships and communicate better, be vulnerable when it was appropriate. As opposed to being scared to be vulnerable. So it was nice. And, and I, I felt happier. You know, I was more grounded. Mm-hmm. And then he decided to to buy Rhythmia. And were you like ever hesitant to do this work? Or were you like, all right, I'm all in. Like, I want to spread the plant. I want to spread plant medicine. I want to support this. I was, what was all that like? in. You were. Yeah, the reason is because my patient populations back in LA were some of the most high-risk people that there are, which is addiction patients trauma victims, mostly women and children, mm-hmm. and acute psychiatric people. And those groups of patients, right, they're in the system of the Western medicine model. They're, they're in and out of rehab. They're in and out of the psych hospital. They're in and out of all this stuff. They're always on a ton of meds. They're always relapsing. They're always suicidal. There's all this stuff. And there's not a lot of really good tools that they can actually use and access to get better. So I was just like frustrated, basically. And I was always looking for something different to like what could happen, right? So when I did the plant medicine, I was like, this is, this is it. This will help people. And I was all in. So we immediately started looking for a place, you know, in Costa Rica. We went all over the country, saw about 18 or so different locations and finally bought this. As soon as we did, I moved here and I started working with the government, working with our attorneys. And I would, cause I have a public health background. I started developing the program with Jerry on how this would go. It took me about two years doing that. So I was here for the first two years on the property, basically alone with a skeleton crew, just the four or five administrative people. And then we opened it. So I've been here for almost five years. Wow. And for people that are listening, so what does, like, I guess talking about ayahuasca, what is it, like, what is the components of ayahuasca and what does it do to you physically? Good, good question. So, you know, the active ingredient in ayahuasca is DMT, dimethyltryptamine. DMT is already in our bodies. It's already a part of who we are. It's in most all living things, plants and animals and everything. And it's uncertain in science what exactly DMT is about. But what they've been able to study is that when people are about to die, there's a release of DMT that kind of creates a a sort of a euphoric, peaceful, calming vibe for like a transition. And also when we dream, there's DMT released. So you can have sort of lucid dreams that can sort of seem real. There's this sort of effect that it can occur. It's it's produced in our, it's located in our cerebral spinal fluid, our eyes, which is interesting, and then part of our gut area. 
Um, some people believe it's produced also in the pineal gland. There's, there's no actual evidence research that says that, but it's possible, you know, because that's like what they call the third eye in Eastern philosophy is the pineal gland, right? So ayahuasca has two things in it. It has the vine of ayahuasca. They call it ayahuasca. It's a vine. And what it is, it's a monoamine oxidase inhibitor. So that's really important because if you're going to drink ayahuasca, your stomach enzymes are going to basically destroy everything that's, you know, not necessary for digestion or it's going to break up things to digest. So the MAOI component of the vine basically temporarily shuts down the stomach enzymes to some degree. And then the DMT, which is located in a regional plant. So in Hawaii, it's acacia, parts of South America, it's mimosa, tenia flora. There's all these other ones, chacruna. There's all these different high content DMT plants. And they boil them down. So you got the vine, you got this plant, boil it down, reduce it, and get this drink. And so then you drink it together. There's like one just cup, basically. And stomach enzymes turn off. The DMT can get absorbed into your system. Then you have sort of have the effects of the plant medicine. Mm-hmm. So it's it's found in nature naturally. So can you kind of draw the connection between, you know, what we're seeing when we're on the medicine? Like, you know, it's definitely just a greater understanding of, and this is just like kind of a broad statement, just like how we're all connected. And it's mm-hmm. so much more intricate and beautiful and than that. But like, can you kind of draw that connection? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, some people have called DMT the spirit molecule, mm. right? And uh, what I look at that as is like, okay, so we are, I feel, all connected in some way. Science has proven this energetically with, positive and negative charged ions that we're all made up of and everything's made up of. And there's a vibe. Sometimes you can feel certain things, but it's hard to explain like what that's about. So what I feel that DMT is doing is it's helping us accentuate this connection. So if a plant has DMT, which it does, and I have DMT and I'm feeling the effects, I can connect with that plant Mm. energetically. And also animals and the universe is what they often say, right? So uh, the things that people see when they're on the medicine is different. It's unique to each person. If they have trauma, they can sometimes go through that and process that. That's another thing we can talk about. That's part of like neurochemical stuff happening. But as far as like the shamanic sort of experience and all the art that people can look at and see that people have drawn, like indigenous communities that are like painting these beautiful sort of geometric patterns and stuff. There's just this kind of universal theme of connection that occurs when you're on the ayahuasca in particular. Mm. And the trauma, what happens with like the trauma connection? And So in the brain, right, we have this part of the brain called the amygdala. That's where our subconscious memories are generally stored. So what that means is like the example I often give is like, if I am five years old and I'm scared by a dog that's really vicious, wants to bite me, what happens is for survival, it's evolutionary, it's like survival of the fittest, is that a neuron pathway it's established in my amygdala that says basically dogs are scary and you should run from them. And there's an emotion that gets fired along that neuron pathway of fear or anxiety or, you know, fight or flight. And that kind of gets locked in because there's a dramatic trauma. So then now I'm not five, I'm in my forties, I'm whatever, and I'm still afraid of dogs. I don't really know why. It's kind of weird because I see that everybody else seems to like dogs. Dogs seem to like me to some degree. And I don't know why I have this aversion. So I go and I do plant medicine as an example. What happens is the amygdala 
where this memory is stored, connects with the prefrontal cortex. Prefrontal cortex is where our conscious sort of rational thinking is located. And those two parts become aware basically of each other in the brain, in the ceremony, and they kind of link up. And you go, oh, okay, I see. That makes sense. I was five. That was appropriate. That neuron pathway is appropriate because I was going to get eaten by that dog. Mm -hmm. But now I'm not going to get bitten by a a Doberman. I'm I'm aware that I have to stay safe. Now I'm empowered. I'm not a little baby or a little kid. So now you can create a new neuron pathway that basically says dogs are fun and they're nice and they're sweet and they're cool. And then you shift that. And the emotion of fear that was linked before, you get to feel it and you process it through you. And that gets released. So you can use that analogy for like a lot of different things, like abuse, people that have been abused as kids, you know, ongoing abuse. They're very afraid to be vulnerable. They don't want to, you know, if they have a relationship, it's usually not good. They pick people that continue the abuse or they're just never really lower their guard. They, you know, it's not very fun to be like that because they're alone, essentially, you know, at least they're emotionally alone Mm. and they never really connect with somebody intimately in in a healthy way. So that's a great example. They see that, okay, well, when I was, you know, five through eight, I was being victimized by whoever. And now I'm not an adult. I can make my own choices. I don't, you know, that's that that regret, anger, fear, upsetness. I'm going to feel that. I'm going to process that in the ceremony. It's gone. And now I have a new outlook. And now I can be vulnerable in a safe way that I'm empowered to do. Mm-hmm. And that's where the shift occurs. And that's something called synaptic plasticity which is the way that the brain can evolve and shift over time. The old school model is that the brain was rigid at a certain point. And it's just your set. That's the way it is. Certain parts of the brain, yes, are that way. But most of the parts that are involving emotion and memory and thoughts and desires and sort of initiatives type stuff, that can always shift and adjust and change. So that's basically what's happening is we're resetting the neurochemistry of the brain and opening up people in a real way to process trauma. It's, it's really cool. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of like physical reactions that could happen and like physical pain, purging, things like that. So I guess for people who haven't done it, maybe are curious and are a little bit nervous about that, just sure. kind of from the medical perspective, like, uh-huh. is that safe? Is everything okay? What's uh-huh. happening? Yeah, that's a great question too. So, you know, people that do internet searches for ayahuasca often get terrified of what they see, right? Because mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. we all know how the internet is. It likes crazy stories mm-hmm. are the most popular. Yeah. And everything's true online. So. Yeah, right? everything's, <laughs> true. everything's true. So uh, basically, you know, there, there are medical requirements that you have to meet in order to do ayahuasca in particular. You can't be on SSRI medication, which is antidepressants. You can't be on benzodiazepines, which are anti-anxiety meds like Xanax and Clonopin and Valium and stuff. Mm can't be on opiates, pain meds, or heroin, or for that matter, can't be on drugs, um, can't be on cocaine, for example. How <laughs> long do you have to There's waiting not periods. be on them? So for the, for the antidepressants, the waiting period is 30 to 90 days, depending on the person, to be off. And for the benzodiazepines, like Xanax, depends again on the person, how much they're taking and what their dose is and for how long. But usually if they have it clear about 14 days, 14 to 30 days, they're okay. So there's these different waiting periods you have to kind of be aware of. Also, if people have brain issues, like maybe they had, maybe they have seizures, for example, or they had a brain tumor, or you know they have they had a stroke in the past. 
those are things we all look at to make sure that they're that they're appropriate. We say no to a lot of people, you know, unfortunately, because we have to be sure that everybody's medically safe to do this. It's also heart conditions that prevent people from doing it. They've had a lot of, you know, they've got heart surgery, they have stints, mm-hmm. certain high extreme AFibs that are prevent people. So what happens then, these horror stories that you hear are from kind of rogue places, usually out in the jungle or in somebody's backyard or basement in, in the States or wherever, mm-hmm. but they're not checking people medically. They're not clearing them. Mm-hmm. There's often no doctors. There's often no nursing care. They're just like, hey, you showed up, hey, give me a hundred bucks, drink this. So that's why it gets, it's not cool like to do that, you know? So, <laughs> so yeah. the physical symptoms, even when you're cleared and when you're safe to do it, uh, for example, there's often purging. And purging is done in a lot of different ways. There's throwing up, there's going to the bathroom. My favorite, yawning. That's mm-hmm. why you're going to purge. Mm-hmm. Crying, they're sweating. Those are all purges. Now, what's happening with a purge is two things. One thing is that you're detoxing. So it's the ayahuasca is clearing out impurities. And it's often it's antibacterial, it's antifungal. It's clearing out sort of medically, you can say certain things. It works really well with Lyme's disease, which with autoimmune disorders. Mm-hmm works really well with mercury poisoning, pulls it out of the bones. There's all these kind of detox components that are happening. So that can cause a purge. And that's good because you're getting out of your system all this stuff. And then the other thing is an emotional purge. So uh, we often carry stress, worry in our bodies, right? And, and if I don't have an outlet for my stress because I'm maybe I don't know how to deal with stress or I'm in an abusive environment, I keep it all inside. It manifests as physical symptoms. So when I do the ayahuasca, if I purge, it's more emotional. Getting out my fear or my resentment is symbolic. And both are really good. Both are really cool. You know, it's, it's rare when somebody purges like all night. It happens, but it's kind of rare. You know, it's kind of like a purge and then you're good. And a couple hours later, you might again. You know, it's nothing, nothing bad. It's mm-hmm. always positive. And the only things that really can come out of that, let's say at negative, would be maybe people are dehydrated because we're in Costa Rica. It was 100 degrees yesterday. It was beautiful. I love this weather, but it's hot. And people are doing medicine and, you know, they got to stay hydrated. So oftentimes people might need some rehydration. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's really safe. Yeah, yeah. we've we haven't purged yet, but we've seen people and it doesn't seem really. And it's weird. You just change your perspective on it. You know, yeah. when you guys were talking about how the it's emotionally charged. And it's so much of the processing that we need to do and get rid of. It just changes mm. what you feel about throwing up and it makes it less scary and, yeah. you know, makes you less resistant to it if it were to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's we, not as bad as everything. Yeah. 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 Not at all. We haven't purged yet, but. You know, the way we do it too, it's really safe. Like as, as you guys have seen, yeah. we intro you in a bit and we, we offer different times in the evening to drink a little more. So we're not just rocking you with like this crazy huge dose to like, see what happens we're really medicinally mm-hmm. dosing you in a way that's going to get the most benefit yeah and yeah so the dosing is it just like anyone gets a cup of the tea or like how does dose how do dosages work and how is it determined on who gets what dose for example like 95 percent of the people are all going to get about an ounce and a half to two ounces on their first drink which is considered a small amount in the world of ayahuasca oh. and then we want to see how you feel how you're doing. We want you to feel safe and comfortable and not get overwhelmed right off the bat. So then about an hour and a half later, you can drink a little more if you need it. You might not need it, but you might. And if you do, maybe we'll see how you're doing. The shamans check in with you and they make sure 
if you're like purging a lot, then you might not eat a lot right then. You can wait another hour. Then we might give you one ounce, maybe another two. Just depends, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking kind of more about Monday night, the first mm-hmm. night, right? Yeah. And there's some people that come in, they're terrified. Everybody's a little nervous, of course, because most people, it's their first time to come here. So some people are really scared and they have a history of being very uh, sensitive to just whatever they take, even aspirin. So we say, all right, well, we'll just give you one ounce and we'll just start off really light. And we'll just make sure you feel okay, feel comfortable. And then after that, they get more confidence with the medicine. The second night, they can start off stronger if they had a great experience and it was kind of light for them the first half of the night on Monday. Start maybe giving them two to four ounces to start on Tuesday. So that's kind of how we look at it. Mm. What is um, this? What is the relationship between serotonin and the medicine? Yeah, it's good. Uh, I love these questions. You guys are on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> so there's there's a couple of neurochemicals. A lot of them are interacting with with ayahuasca, but serotonin in particular, because serotonin is a mood neurochemical. That if there's too much of it, we have tend to have anxiety. If there's too little of it, then there could be a dopamine issue as well. So we have this depression vibe. We can become manic if we have too much serotonin. So what happens is in life, we all have, you know, these environments we live in back home. I live in Costa Rica, so my environment's awesome. But, <laughs> you know, I used to grew up in L.A. So in L.A., there's a lot of smog. I'm not necessarily always eating super healthy. In and out right down the street, <laughs> which isn't that bad, right? But you know what I'm saying? And uh, there's stress, there's the 405 and the 10, and there's all this crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I'm depleting myself and I'm stressing myself out. I'm not getting enough sleep. I'm not, I'm working too hard. So my serotonin tends to be a little off and I, my neurochemicals in general are. So what happens is with ayahuasca, it resets five key serotonin receptors in the brain. And what happens is when you reset your neurochemistry, basically that means you balance it back to where it, it should be for you. And so people that have a history of taking, you know, meds for mood stabilizers tended to not go back to those meds because they see that they don't need them anymore. There's a certain fraction of people, percentage that do, you know, for whatever reason, because often they're going back to a very chaotic environment and they they have a hard time not using their same coping mechanisms from before, which were maybe not the greatest. So there's that. And and they sometimes go back to their meds, but it's it's more common that they they don't. Mm. Wow. What is the, like the breadth of the research that has been done and like, is there, in your opinion, obviously, I'm assuming there's not enough to educate enough people and to come to something like this and, and to choose this. So, you know, what what's stopping the research from being done? So any substance in, let's say, for example, the U.S., mm-hmm. this, this label a Schedule 1 compound prevents it from being studied mm. so it's it's basically a banned dmt is a banned substance in the united states so that means you can't study it now there's often exceptions not often occasionally there's exceptions where universities will get some sort of approval from the fda and a bunch of other governing agencies where they can maybe look at it but it's really rare and it's and it's the the, the data is not readily available so there isn't a lot of studies on ayahuasca or DMT that's scientific based with peer reviewed journals, the things that I used, you know, that I'm used to seeing in my career, you know, thousands of articles on whatever, but that's a big part of why. And, you know, it's, it's we all, I'm sure most of your listeners can agree. Anytime a, a governing agency wants to ban something, 
you have to look, okay, why? Was it super dangerous? That's a reason to look at to ban something. Okay, I don't believe that it is if it's done correctly. Is it uh, threatening to the medical system? I believe that it absolutely is. It reduces the pharmaceutical industry's sort of uh, industry mm. or it, it reduces their, you know, their profits potentially. Uh, it takes away control from people from government, mm. meaning that the people are now more free thinking and they're not quite trapped in a system that they're told to do. I believe that all of us have the ability to heal ourselves and to have our own intuition about what we need to do to be happy and successful. I believe that we get used to hearing from outside sources just growing up that we need to listen to these other people or these agencies or this system or the TV to tell me what I need to do to be happy. And I find that to be not so great. Yeah. And ayahuasca opens up ourselves and helps us become empowered and see what we want to do and what we like that's best for us, not only for us, for others and for our communities. So it's very empowering. You know, that's scary to a lot of people who want to oppress others and control people. Yeah. We, yeah, I completely agree. So is it, it's illegal in the United States? It's illegal in the United States. Is it illegal around the world or what's... Most countries, it's illegal. There's a few that it's legal. A mm. couple of states or a couple of countries, it's legal. I wonder why. I know. When did that... When, did it, when was it made illegal, I wonder? I believe it was made in the... Geneva Convention, where they went over all the different substances worldwide. I believe, don't yeah. quote me on yeah, that, but yeah, I'm yeah. pretty sure that's mm. if I remember correctly. Yeah, you know, because it's just weird. Like, I wonder when, you know, like the governing bodies realized that it could have this power, so that they made laws against it. Yeah, you know, like was it research that was realized, or like who was the like what told them that this should be illegal? The way I see stuff usually go like that, right? And studying public health and things that I've done for a long time is that uh, pharmaceutical companies have research and development teams that that are given multi million dollar budgets a year yeah. to kind of see what's going on in the field. And if uh, if there's somebody that let's say is making you know antidepressant meds. And they're, they're going out and researching around, like, what else is helping with depression? Oh, well, there's this ginkgo biloba, or there's this, you know, sananga root, or there's all these Chinese medicine herbs that are helping. So we're going to, like, push those out and minimize how good they are. We're going to, like, you know, send out other research that says those things are just quacks. That's not real. And then, you know, ayahuasca might come up because they're looking at Latin America and South America for stuff. And, you know, a lot of the meds are created from, they're all created from plants, essentially, mm -hmm. all the pharmaceuticals at their core. And so there's like this history of understanding the biochemistry of plants in general. So they see, oh, look, DMT, ayahuasca, it's going to, it's going to take a little bit of our pie, right? A piece of that. So we're just going to like shut it down. We're just going to make it, we're going to lobby the FDA, we're going to lobby the government. We're going to just shut it down and not let it come in to infiltrate. It's kind of like what medical doctors did to chiropractors back in the day. You guys aren't doctors. You guys, your, your science is stupid. You guys don't know what you're doing. They just banned them, yeah. right? So it's taken almost 50 years, right, for chiropractors to kind of become something that, no, it's okay, they're good. They know what they're doing, <laughs> right? So they, it, it's just these governing agencies that lobby. You know, it's self-interest. Yeah, they lobby the government, and the government makes the laws. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, Tale as old as time. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Moving to Costa Rica. I know. <laughs>
What have been some of your, you know, one or two favorite stories, cases, someone who's come to Rhythmia and been changed? Wow. Well, oh my gosh. There's I know, so many. I've seen so There's many. so many. One theme that I've seen here that was re- that's been really cool is that people show up often with friends or with a spouse or, or a boyfriend, girlfriend or something. And they are the one that's kind of like not really interested. They're kind of like skeptical. They're just here to support their their friend or partner or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're like, ah, oh, this is going to be, well, I'm, I'm happy to be in Costa Rica. This is a nice resort, but I'm not expecting much of this stuff at all. And then I've seen those people make the biggest shifts wow. and they did no preparation, even though preparation, I recommend it for sure. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, but these people done no preparation, didn't really know what the medicine was about. And it completely changed their life. There was this one person in particular who came here and she thought we were a yoga retreat. <laughs> what? Huh? You do have yoga. We do have yoga. We yeah. do have yoga. We do yoga almost every day. And uh, it's a big part of what we do. But there's so much more that we do. And she was here and happy. She was from Connecticut. She was excited to come and just hang out in Costa Rica. She's taking a break from her family and her job, you know, yeah. like a little personal thing. And uh, she's like, what are, what are you talking about plant medicine? What is this? Because I did her intake. She's like, what? What is it? She had no clue what it was. She did it. It was kind of like me, like when I did it. Like I didn't know what to expect. I wasn't trying to work on anything per se. It completely changed her whole life. It changed her marriage. It changed her relationship mm. with her kids. It helped focus, fine tune her career. It was crazy. And she's yeah. one of the most amazing people. And she she was great before she got here, but it just kind of put her to that next level where she's just really plugged in. Oh. I love that. I think such a big part, at least for me thus far, because I've had so many realizations and seen beautiful things and been in a lot of like sick pain, but it's watching other people. Like, I think because we're one of the youngest here in this uh-huh. round yeah. or in this group and um, to see, you know, I had two older gentlemen to my right and my left last night. And to see them experience the joy of like being, you know, in their bodies, five years old again, dancing, like was like, was part of like my heel. It was crazy. So cool. So I I knew like I wasn't mad because I didn't have, I didn't, wasn't visited by aliens or I didn't leave my body. I was just like so grateful that I was. I would just look at them and just like giggle to myself. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. That's what's great about doing it in a, in a group. Yeah. Because that part is uh, just as healing, the observation of others. It's, it's incredible. Cool. And you think about these these older gentlemen, right, that you saw, they've been through a life of hell. A life. Yeah. And they've just bobbled it up. It's from, crazy. They're from an era where they don't share their feelings uh, much or talk about much. And if they do, they're weak and that kind of, that whole thing, right? So I'm, I'm almost in that era, I think. I'm 49, so, you know, I'm close to that era, but it's mm-hmm. even a little older than me, that vibe. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it sucks that they they have all that pain and mm-hmm. they just want to be happy. They just, they're at the end of the road. They come here and they completely change. Yeah, it's awesome to see that. It's beautiful. Yeah. That one was like, he's like, I felt freedom in my heart. Oh, wow, yeah. he's, like, I, he's like, my heart was in a cage and now it's out of a cage. It's so, so sweet. And then, and then we had our friend Suzanne. And oh my we, we were just like at the end of the night after we she's had talked. She's, she's amazing. amazing. And she's just like completely transformed. <laughs> we were talking to an older gentleman, Chris and I. And then she came over and she took the toilet paper. She goes, my li- my inner child wants to go like this. And she just threw 
through the toilet yes, paper. Yes, she threw the toilet paper in the air. We were like, <laughs> out oh, of nowhere. My God. We're like, we love yeah, it was so, so amazing. Cool. People, just, people just connected themselves. And yeah. Great. You know, it's so cool yeah. to watch. Every week we see this, every single it's week. It's insane. Yeah, it is. It's Good incredible. Life. What is the importance of yoga in this? Well, you know, uh, yoga. You know, a lot of people have different opinions about yoga. You guys are from Santa Monica, right? Okay, so every other corner there's a yoga studio. Yeah, right? yes. I used to do some yoga in Venice yeah. on Rose. There, Rose. Where Rose. Collective? Yoga, yoga Collective? Is it? I think so. Yeah. I don't remember the name. It's yeah. on Rose near uh, the ice cream place now. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's my yeah. spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Such a good, yeah. Steve Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used uh-huh. to go there. Yeah. And uh, you know, for some people, it's just exercise and stretching. But for for us. It's more than that. It's connection with your body. It's aligning your chakras. It's plugging into the universal sort of energy that, that exists. It complements the plant medicine. Uh, it helps people ground themselves after a ceremony. Mm. It helps them prepare for a ceremony too. So there's a lot of spiritual components to yoga, right? We all know that. Mm. That's why we have it. Yeah, yeah I need to be. Mm-hmm. We haven't done it. It's been hard to wake up in the morning. It is hard. Yeah, we've been it exhausted. Yeah, no, it's okay. Yeah, don't worry about it. My journey continued into my sleep last night. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, I don't <laughs> think I can do it. Yeah. That's okay. It's only for those that can get up and do it. If yeah. not, it's okay. It's not like you have to do yeah, it. Yeah, totally. totally. And then what's the prep? So someone, you know, if they were to come, like what kind of prep should they do before? So what I recommend a couple different things. Uh, if they've been through any sort of therapy, it's not required, but if they have, that can be helpful. They've kind of already processed maybe some of the issues and they kind of know what their issues are. So that's good. Like self-awareness is key, at least a little. And also there's this thing called the dieta, which is a way to eat that is helps your body be in alignment with the plant medicine. Some people book and come the next day, so they don't have time doing this. But uh, for those that are a little ahead, you know, a couple months away, they can start eating this way. It's just super clean. You know, not a lot of... No processed foods, very little meat. If any, it's like fish, usually a little bit if they want. Pretty vegan, I would Mm -hmm. say, right? And certain spices to avoid and just helps the body get in line, right? So the dieta, a little bit of self-awareness. Also just having some intentions, you know? And people often have a long list of intentions and that's great. But really what it comes down to are these three intentions that we teach people here that kind of covers all the bases. You know, that's something that we... In the classes you guys saw, we talk a lot about these three intentions, which are uh, show me who I've become, right? Reunite me with my soul and heal my heart. If you do that, basically all your questions get answered and all your intentions get answered in that. Yeah. So that's kind of what I tell people to do in prep. If they're on meds, they have to taper off Mm -hmm. the help of their physician. And if they have any sort of, you know, other health issues, kind of get those resolved, you know, to be cleared medically. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, it's nice that the questions, it's like walks you through, you know, a processing. So mm-hmm. to show me who I've become is like kind of a mirror on, you know, what kind of person you are in the world, yeah. how you see yourself, how others see you, why you've become who you've become, which is really beautiful. And then um, the Merge Me Back With My Soul At All Costs, which we talked about before, but is like the bringing back of you to your soul so that you can be more aligned and then heal my heart, which is, you know, healing your heart from the breaking of your soul. But having those as like the pillars has been really helpful too, especially Mm -hmm. for people if they don't know what their intention is, or if they're not really sure what they want to get out of it. And that's kind of been me. Like I have intentions, but you know, having those has been more valuable to me because it will reveal in my intentions. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. 
It's been so good. Thank yeah. you. And this is how I think this is coming at a good time before our last ceremony Perfect. too. It's just like really helpful to kind of more deeply understand uh-huh. exactly what's going on. And good. for those out there that, you know, are curious about it, I think this will like kind of settle their nerves and really empower them to make you know, a choice for themselves. You know, our staff is so cool. So cool. Noticed, right? They're, like the they're very yeah. helpful people. Very they're all helpful. very, Costa Ricans are awesome people. Mm-hmm. We have a huge, you know, staff of Costa Ricans that are amazing. They're so yeah. sweet. Yeah, they're, the they're great. They're great. Yeah. I felt very yeah. loved. And your nurse staff is, you know, the staff here has been amazing. So we did, um, just for the listeners, we did a medical evaluation when we came here, you know, to get cleared for taking the ayahuasca and then we were talking about before we got on too but there's a you guys have the shamans and then you have medical staff that's there for ceremonies yes exactly we have uh during the ceremony there's about on average there's about 12 kind of shamanic people that are up there leading the plant medicine Mm -hmm. thing then we have two to four other staff that are in guest services and in medical we have an emergency medical technician that's there very rarely needed and we have doctors that live on the property that are on call mm. there's a lot of people here that make sure everything's safe you know mm-hmm. and, it, and it always is yeah yeah i mean we haven't seen anything you know even remotely close so yeah it's been beautiful thanks well, for thanks for coming there with yeah me. Oh, thank you so thanks much thanks for having us it's been so good you guys can go shift the vibe in santa monica when you get back yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tall task i know <laughs> no they're on it yeah, West Side, West Side is on it. Yeah, Venice is there. It you is. know, it's getting there. My grandparents went to Samuel High, and my dad's oh, from Palisades. So yeah. like, I, I, you know, I lived in Samuel High myself. Right? Yeah, I lived in Venice too, but you know, so I know how it is over yeah. there. And it, it, there's a lot of really cool people. Yeah, but that whole vibe, that rat race vibe, that's kind of underlying the whole yeah. place. Yeah. is a little rough. But yeah. I understand. Yeah, it's, you know, yeah. Cool. I know. I need that reminder that it is that. Because it's weird because it's like a juxtaposition because it's beachy. You're on the beach. It's a little yeah. key. It's not in the city as much because you're more west side. So does it, it shouldn't feel like a rat race, but it does yeah. still. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> like you get tricked. You're like, I know this is vacation. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, <laughs> why am I stressed? Yeah. South Bundy to go to Barrington takes about an hour. Oh, yeah. 100. <laughs> Don't remind me. I know. All right, Dr. Jeff. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks, Dr. Jeff. That was awesome. So if sound is not perfect, apologies, but we were doing it on site when we were in Costa Rica at Rhythmia Life Advancement Center. So you can check out Rhythmia at rhythmia.com or you can go to their website through our show notes on Mm almost30podcast.com. R-Y-T-H-M-I-A.com. All right. Review of the week. You got it. You got one for me? I got a good one. Thank you guys so much for writing these reviews. You guys have been emailing to us and um, it's been so kind and sweet and really makes our day. You know, a lot of the content that we do is free and we do it for you. So it's really grateful to just receive a few moments where you write uh, if this has impacted you at all. This one is five stars, almost 30. Truth bombs, humor, sass, and kindness all in one. Seriously, the best podcast I've listened to ever. Love the variety of content and love the fearlessness of both ladies show while trudging the unpaved road of enlightenment, self-awareness, and self-love. It's truly refreshing to have such unique and sometimes unpopular topics that make people uncomfortable. But you know what they say, growth happens outside of your comfort zone. I've enjoyed every second thus far. 
And that is from Megan M. So you guys have been emailing your reviews to hello at almost30podcast.com. We got you with a little gift. So thank you so much for that. Yeah. Appreciate it. You're the best. And we are on tour. So go to almost30podcast.com and click on our tour tab. Uh, We're all over this year and we want to meet you. So I would get your tickets now. Mm -hmm. You girls like to buy early. So yeah, we love that you guys are planning. It's so nice. We're pretty... I mean, we're like 65% sold out for most tours. So just depending on the dates, but check out the one in LA on June 20th with Brie Melanson. That's going to be a really beautiful breathwork session Mm. that we do. And then in following to that, we have our retreat. Yeah. First ever almost 30 retreat, um, 360 wellness happening at Calamigos Ranch in Malibu, July 9th to the 12th. So we're really, really excited to bring you some of LA's and beyond's best healers, practitioners, nutritionists, fitness experts, and it's just going to be a lot of fun. I know. Jordan Younger, Kelly Levesque, Milana Snow, um, Danielle Basenti, Aubrey Winters. It's just a stockpiled list of awesome people that we're going to be bringing to you. And then after that, we have a bunch of other dates, New York, Philly, Nashville, Ohio, Chicago, uh, Chicago, mm-hmm. Miami, DC. Uh, so just go to almost30podcast.com slash events. Come alone, bring a friend, whatever you'd like. But we find that if you come alone, we're here, we're waiting for you and we would love to see you. Yeah. And we'd love to see you at our first ever live show at the end of July as well. July 27th at The Independent in San Francisco. So if you or someone you know is in the San Francisco area, can travel to San Francisco easily, we would absolutely love to see you. This one is going to be with Lacey Phillips. Whoa. It's going to be an evening, a manifestation, really honest, fun, um, valuable talk and and Q&A. And I, I know you will get a lot out of it. So we would love to have your support and for you to be there and to hug you. So go to um, our website and you will find the link to the San Francisco live show. Can't wait. Love All you right. guys. See Bye. you next week. 